You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Spirit now is the presence of Jesus Christ in us. That's the whole story. Can you imagine Apollos taking this in? Wow. Wow. Like I said, being a school teacher for a long time, one of the neatest parts of teaching someone is when you're teaching them and the lights come on. When you're looking into those eyes and all of a sudden you go, whoa, they understand. They know. There may be no earthly experience more heavenly than sharing the gospel and watching a lost soul come into the illumination of the truth. As Pastor David explains in today's message, this should be a part of your Christian journey. Be ready and watching for opportunities to share the light of Christ with anyone you encounter. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 18 as he continues his message, accurate, sincere, but incomplete. take some credit for my salvation. God says, no, you're not going to boast in what you've done. There is no boasting because it's by faith and faith alone that you come to me. My grace, my unmerited favor is given to you. And for all those that would just believe, that's the work of righteousness. But what about what I've done? What about the dangers I've, I've faced teaching your word? What about the sacrifices I've made and the dedication that I've done when I'm hanging around here doing the work? What about me? I love it when the Lord corrects me and gives me that bam. Dave, it's not about you. It's about me. It's about me and what I've already done. If you've accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, if you've done Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you've confessed with your mouth that the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it says you will be saved, you can't get any more righteous. That's as righteous as you'll ever get. Because by doing that, you've then completed the righteousness standards of God, and you have it all. It's got to be something I do. Okay, if it'll make you feel better, read 20 chapters of the Bible a day. Pray for an hour. You know, we, we set these standards on ourselves that nobody else can live up to. We think that that makes me more righteous than anybody. It's wrong thinking. There's no place for boasting, neither now nor eternally. When we get to heaven and when we before the throne, I stand in him complete. Jesus died, my soul to save, my lips shall still repeat. For Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin has left its crimson stain, but he's washed me white as snow. Well, I tell you, Those people that wrote those hymns, they really had it. They knew. They really, really knew. Where's the boasting? Where's the boasting in that? Paul said it's gone. By keeping the law? No! If by keeping the law, then it encourages boasting, but it's eliminated because I'm a saved through simple faith in Jesus Christ. Salvation is so close to us right now. It's right there. 
Simple faith in Christ. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. Jesus is Lord. That God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. It's so close. It's so close as even to your mouth. Salvation isn't far off. It's not difficult to obtain. Let's climb up ropes and let's bring the Messiah down from heaven. Or or let's go to hell and bring him up from hell. No, that's not what he's saying. Let's do some brave and marvelous thing. No, believe. Salvation isn't that way. It's not someplace way off in heaven. It's close to you right now. It's as close as your mouth. Apollos was a man who ministered mighty, but his knowledge was limited. As I said, he spoke with fervor, but yet he didn't fully know Jesus What he taught was correct, but it was incomplete. He only knew the baptism of John, and he followed that completely. He had been baptized into repentance. He was looking for the coming Messiah, but he didn't know anything about the cross. He didn't know anything about the resurrection. Here was a man completely burdened for his countrymen, the Jews, wanting all to come into repentance, wanting them to be ready for the Messiah to come. But the Messiah had already come. It's so important that our message is complete. It's so important that we don't change it or water down the message because of the audience or the congregation or whomever it is we're talking to. We must stay ever true to the message, the gospel, because that is the only thing that brings life. So many today, as we said, serve up a watered-down version of the gospel. I like to call it the gospel. They leave out sin or they don't speak of hell. They don't want to upset anyone. This message might make you feel good for a while. It may be a great motivational speech, but sooner or later, it won't make you feel very good because there's no life in it. You know, the interesting thing about Apollos, as we said, is he taught what he knew, and he was fervent about that. He had passion. The commentator R. Kent Hughes says this, Apollos' life shows us that we can lead others only to the level on which we ourselves live. We can't lead somebody into something that we don't know. Here, Apollos is a Jew from Alexandria. He's learned, and he's mighty in the Scriptures. He's fervent in spirit. He's accurate in his teaching. He's bold in his teaching, but he could only take the people as far as he had come himself. He couldn't take them any step further. If the teacher truly doesn't know Jesus Christ, how can he or she lead others to him? It can't be done. If I only know the works of righteousness, my works of righteousness, that's the only way I'm going to lead you into those works. But if I've experienced the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ, and by faith and faith alone, I've come to a righteous standing with God, if I understand that, and the reality of my heart is that, I can lead you into that. I can lead you into a life everlasting, an eternal life with Jesus Christ, because I have experienced it. And I can lead you there. Apollos was armed with all the right tools, but he carried the wrong message. It's unfortunate that some of us today have the right information, but we still carry the wrong message. Some of us today have the right tools, but we're sending incomplete or confusing messages. Sadly, our walk doesn't match our talk. We're sending incomplete messages. We're saying we're Christian, but we're doing exactly as the world does. There's no difference in our actions compared to the word. You've, hold, you've heard that old saying, we've said it before, that if you were brought before a court of law for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Are you a Christian by name only? Be careful. Jesus told the church of Sardis in Revelation 2, I know your works, that you have a name, that you're alive, but you're dead. You have a name, but you're alive. 
They were dead despite their reputation of life. Jesus saw them for what they really are. But your dead shows that that good reputation is no guarantee of true spiritual character. Despite their good appearance, Jesus saw them for what they really were. They were dead. And when you're dead, there's no struggle. There's no fight. There's no persecution. If it wasn't that the church of Sardis was losing the battle, they weren't even in the battle. The battle was already lost because they were dead. Jesus doesn't encourage the church of Sardis to stand for persecution, stand against false doctrine because there wasn't any. There weren't even any danger. Being dead, the church of Sardis presented no significant threat to Satan's death at all. They were dead. One commentator said the church of Sardis was a perfect model of an inoffensive Christianity. Being dead. They had all the things they needed, but they were dead. All the things that they wanted, but they were dead. You know, Apollos is truly seeking the Lord, and he's truly seeking the Lord's knowledge through the Scriptures. And God is ever aware of Apollos' incomplete message. Because Apollos is seeking God, because he really wants to know the true living God, God is ever aware that Apollos is a man that he might be able to use. He sees a heart, and God says, I can use this guy. Look at his knowledge of the scriptures. Look at his bold presentation. Look at his enthusiasm. Look at the fervency of spirit. Look at the way he talks. I can use this man. I just need to make his message complete. I need to help him a little bit. Enter Aquila and Priscilla. Husband and wife team. They had been left in Ephesus by Paul. And Paul made his way to Jerusalem. Being Jews, they probably went to the synagogue every week and thought that they could probably speak to people about Jesus. Can you imagine the surprise on their faces when they go into synagogue and hear this man? They hear his powerful speech. They see his excitement, but they're saddened over his lack of knowledge. They immediately recognize the deficiency in his teachings and understanding. I love this about them. They could have easily said, whoa, 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 Apollos, hey, whoa, hold on everybody, whoa, time out, you're wrong. They could have cut him off at the knees. But they didn't. They didn't. What did they do? In verse 26b, when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and they explained to him the way of God more accurately. They took him aside to speak to him. They waited until he was done and they took him aside. Many, many scholars believe that they actually took him to their home that this is where the discussion took place, that they took them to their home. And what did they do? They did what Paul Harvey always told us was coming. They gave them the rest of the story. They filled him in on what he was missing. Okay, Apollos, here it is. You've gotten this far and you are right on, pal, but let me show you the rest of the story. Can you imagine what happened in Apollos' heart when he found out the rest of the story? Can you imagine how his heart went, oh, my Wow, can you imagine how excited he was? If you think he was excited beforehand, can you imagine the excitement that was exuding from him afterwards? After Priscilla and Aquila said, come with us, listen to us, this is what we have to say. I love this part. Here's the rest of the story. They filled in the gaps. Apollos, the Messiah is here. His name is Jesus. He's the son of God. He's the anointed one. And he's come to give life. But he went to a cross He was crucified. He was dead. He was buried. But on the third day, just as he said, he rose from the dead. And 40 days later, God took him into heaven. But he said not to fear. Don't worry about it because I'm going to send you a helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit. And 10 days after that, the Holy Spirit came. And the Holy Spirit now is the presence of Jesus Christ in us. That's the whole story. Can you imagine Apollos taking this in? Wow. Wow. Like I said, 
Being a school teacher for a long time, one of the neatest parts of teaching someone is when you're teaching them and the lights come on. When you're looking into those eyes and all of a sudden you go, whoa, they understand. They know. Now that's when teaching is at its finest. That's when teaching's at its best, when you know you've made an impact on this person's life and they finally understand what's being taught, what's being said. And you can see them and go, yeah. I can just imagine Priscilla and Aquila looking at the policies going, Okay, wow, you know, this is great. Did he say something like the Ethiopian eunuch? What prevents me from being baptized? Did they immediately take him and dunk him in the bathtub? I don't know if they had a bathtub. What did they do? Did they baptize immediately? I'm sure he was baptized. I'm sure he was filled with the Holy Spirit. What a wonderful thing. Here we have this couple who everybody felt sorry for because he was left behind in Ephesus, used mildly by the Lord in helping this person. They became instrumental in Apollos' development into life. Once again, we see the providential hand of God. God knew they were going to be there. God knew Apollos was coming, and he set it all up. This is wonderful. Who knows when the Lord is going to use you to minister to somebody? We need to be prepared to minister to someone. Maybe someone has an error. Maybe someone is struggling over words. Maybe someone has said something that isn't quite right. Maybe it's me. Maybe you need to go to that person in love and, and direct them and guide them in the loving arms of Jesus Christ and watch the light come on. Wow. Yeah, this is what a Priscilla and Quilla did. I love this about them. I love this. We must be ready to complete the message. We must be ready with the entire message because only the gospel gives life. Only the gospel allows us life. But here's a characteristic apostle that I really, really like about this. And I love this about apostle, about Apollos. He was teachable. Apollos was teachable. Now, he was mighty in scriptures. He knew all the ways of the Lord, it says. He had catechism that showed him that. He could have blown Priscilla and Quinlan, like, get out of here. Who are you two old fogies talking to me like that? I'm from Alexandria. Do you know who trained me? Many, many people believe that Apollos was trained by the great philosopher Philo. Many people believe that that was where he got a lot of his training. He came from Alexandria. He could have been puffed up. He could, who do you think you're talking to? Do you know who I am? Who do you think I am? You know, all those things. No. He was teachable. He accepted what Priscilla and Aquila said. Why? Because he knew the Lord. He knew the Messiah was coming. And when he heard it, the Holy Spirit pierced his heart, quickened his heart to the truth. Bam! He's born again. Wow. He chose to sit at their feet and glean from them everything that they might say to him. His eyes were wide open with anticipation, hanging on every single word that Priscilla and Aquila were giving him. And he was so excited to receive this news. Wow. He was set free from bondage. Can you imagine being set free like that? Maybe some of you have been set free that way. But I have to ask you a question today. Are you teachable? Can you learn enough about the Lord? Can someone tell you things about the Lord that maybe you don't know? I can never get enough. I love to learn about the Lord. I love to hear what the Lord has to do. I love to hear what the Lord's doing in your life, in your life, in your life, in your life. I love to hear what the Lord's doing and watch the Lord work. I can never learn enough about the Lord because I feel like when I've learned enough, God, take me out of here. I always want to be learning more. And I can learn from any one of you. I don't think I'm so proud that I know everything. I know I do not. There are a lot of areas that I am very deficient in when it comes to the Word of God. And you help me. You give me scriptures, you help me, you teach me, you le- I learn from you. And this is what we do. That's the iron, sharpening iron. We can learn from each other. Are you teachable? 
Or do you come in and say, oh gosh, not the story of Jonah again. Holy mackerel, how many times have I got to listen to this? Holy mackerel, yeah, 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 swallow fish, spell up, yeah, fine. Is that the way you listen? Because you know everything? Apollos was teachable. Here's a man who was mighty in scriptures. Here's a man who, who was powerful. He knew what he knew. And he taught people to it. But when he learned this, when he learned this, it opened a whole new door for him. It opened a whole new realm for him. Now he's armed with the complete message. And he's stirred by the Lord. And now he wants to go out and preach to somebody else. He wants to go out and teach people the real message. The real truth. He wants to go. Look at verses 27 and 28. And when he wanted to go across to Achaia, the brethren encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he had arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, demonstrated by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. See, now he's armed with the full message. He's not taking people up to the feeding trough. He's letting them feed. He's saying, here's the food. Chomp on it. Chew it well. He really now has something to give these people, a complete message. He must have been on fire. He must have been so exciting. We know from Scripture he becomes a great ambassador to the Lord. He becomes full of the Holy Spirit and the truth. He goes to Achaia, which is where the city of Corinth is. He goes back to Corinth, the decadent city, and he establishes a huge ministry there. You can read that. We'll see that next week in verse, uh, chapter 19, verse 1. He was encouraged by the other believers. They wrote him a letter of introduction, and he took with them to the church. Here's a mighty man of God, and his ministry becomes hugely effective. He goes in, and he talks to those who believe by grace. He talked to the saints, and he goes in the synagogue, and he says he powerfully refutes the Jews. Man, he was full of the Holy Spirit. He was bold. I can imagine now he's just like Paul. Goes in now to the synagogue standing firmly on the foundation of Jesus Christ and being able to speak in the scriptures into the hearts of men. That's what I see because he had the whole picture. He had the whole thing. He ministered a long time in Corinth. Because of his eloquence and knowledge, however, a clique formed around him. And many, many people wanted to be said, we're of Apollos. He's our teacher. Paul had a right to them and correct them because of this, because of this vision. But don't make the mistake about it. Paul and he were co-laborers in the ministry. And this is how Paul viewed him. You can find that in 1 Corinthians 16, 12, or Titus 3, 13. Paul loved Apollos. He was a fellow laborer. Apollos watered. Paul planted. Paul planted. Apollos watered. But God gave the increase. God gives the increase. We don't step each other's shoulders. I've said this a million times, and it's tough to get across to some people because I, I meet pastors in the, in the area all the time, and I'm always talking to pastors, and they look at me crazy when I say, I'm not in competition with anybody. It's not a competition. I'm doing what the Lord has me to do. I'm teaching his word. People are getting saved. People are growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. There's no competition. I don't go out and steal sheep. I don't have to. Scripture says the Lord adds to the church daily those that would be saved. My job is to do what he's called me to do. I'm not in competition. See, Paul wasn't in competition just as long as the gospel of Jesus Christ was getting out. That's what's important. Is the gospel being preached? Is the gospel especially going out and are people getting saved? The Lord used Apollo and all his characteristics for this purpose. Now he's filled anew with the Holy Spirit. He went on to see these truths and he used them to prove the gospel to take those out of bondage. Now he had so much more to tell, so much more to give. 
He knew that the Lord had promised to take away the bondage of Israel. He knew that the Lord wants to exchange yokes with you. He wants to place his yoke upon us, which is light, and take yours from you and put it on himself. He knew the Lord wants to ease our burdens. He knew that the only one that could remove the bondage, the only one that could ease your burdens is Jesus Christ. And I tell you today, if you're bound up today for any reason, if you're hurting today for for any reason whatsoever, there's only one person that can take that away, and that's Jesus Christ. There's only one person that can remove that from you, and that's Jesus Christ. You know, people are in bondage today. They're stuck in sin. Even Christians, stuck in sin. They're looking for a way out. We have the way out. It's Jesus Christ. An interesting quote by John Corson in his commentary says, the bondage people are in, the yoke that people are under is not broken through our understanding of behavior or through our counseling, but through the work of the anointed one. I love that. He's the one that breaks the change. He's the one that takes away the bondage. And I love this quote from him. He goes on to say this. This is, this, this is really cool. When we understand the reality of Jesus Christ, he says, when Christ says, go your way and sin no more, it is not a word of warning, but a word of liberation. I love that. Jesus wasn't scolding the woman caught in an adultery. Where are your condemners? Neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. He wasn't warning her now, don't you sin again. No, he was liberating her. He said, go and sin. Now you have the freedom not to sin. You have the freedom to make the choice not to. Because you've been born again. You never had a choice before. You were stuck in your sin and that's all you knew. Now go and sin no more. It's great to be gifted like Apollos with elegance and power, boldness, and knowledge of the Scriptures. Fortunately, you guys are stuck with me. But if you don't know Christ, if you don't know the Son of God who came to earth to die for us, who was raised from the dead and sits on the right hand of God the Father, if you don't know Him, you have an incomplete message. When you know Him and fully understand Him, You have a complete message. And then your message can be accurate. And then your message can come from your heart. And then it can be complete because of him. He's the one. He's the one that we look to. Don't look to man. Don't follow man because they're good speakers. Don't follow man because they're eloquent. Don't follow man because they can enthusiastically get you motivated or get you charged up. Follow men because they teach the word of God and talk about Jesus Christ. Follow men because the centrality of the message is Jesus Christ and him only. Christ and Christ crucified, Paul said. That's all he wanted to talk about, and that's all I want to talk about. Christ and Christ crucified. That's the message. There's no other message. We don't need to look anywhere else but Jesus Christ and him crucified. And there in that, there in that lies eternal life blessings from the Father innumerously. That's what we want, and that's what makes our message complete. You are when Jesus left earth following his resurrection, his followers weren't sure what was next. 
They had instructions from their Lord and Savior, but not much else. However, they chose to trust that what Jesus said was true and was going to change their lives. It did. The Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began to minister to the world in ways they'd never have been able to do on their own. Is Jesus asking you to follow His instructions today? Maybe He's only given you a piece of the journey, or maybe He's asking you to wait. Take a cue today from the members of the early church. Trust Jesus to come through with His promises and change your life. We're so glad you tuned in to Assure Hope. We'd like to hear from you and learn how we can be praying for you. So please give us a call. Our number is 609-884-5821. If you'd like to hear more messages from this series in the book of Acts, you'll find them at assurehoperadio.com. There are several teachings on various books of the Bible available online for download. And we encourage you to share them with your friends and family. You can also receive a CD copy of today's message by calling us. Again, our number is 609-884-5821. That's all we have time for today. We're so glad we can share God's Word with you through this ministry. Pastor Dave will have more to share from this verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the book of Acts. So we hope you'll join us again right here on A Sure Hope.